The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. Each week on the podcast, we visit a different foodie city and explore the cuisine that makes that place special, whether it be custard tarts in Lisbon, mango beer in Mumbai, or lizard curry in Guatemala. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Bingo. There you go. And now we have a plug. Hey everybody, welcome to the winemakers via Zoom. Hot tea, Brian. Ginger peach. Wow. Well, yeah, courtesy of COVID. Courtesy of COVID. Yeah, we're back on Zoom, guys. Crazy as it sounds, what can I say? It. We are Omicron. Yeah, and it's getting really close. Everybody's being touched by it now. Um, I've known several people in the last week, um, and I hadn't known anybody since the very start. Yeah. yeah. A m- million cases a day being reported now is just gone. What would it be like I'm, if we weren't wearing masks and we weren't vaccinated? I, I think mean, most people aren't wearing masks, and you know, only freaking half of them are, are vaccinated, right? The only thing that's different is the person in the White House. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if, if Donald Trump was in power right now, people would be up in arms. Oh, my God, he's not doing anything to stop the virus. Yeah. <laughs> because it's an old Democrat in there, it seems that everyone's just fine with it. I don't know. I'm not that fine with it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, is he, <laughs> is he conscious? <laughs> um, no, I'm not fine with it either, Sam. It's strange. I'll just I mean, say that. Like, not to start by bitching, but uh, Bitch. you know, being a small business owner uh, and like having to track down tests for yep. me and the crew, and and like you know, just like in March of 2020, um, you know, we're obviously we haven't technically shut down yet, but. In March of 2020, we didn't have very many appointments that we had to cancel because they'd all canceled themselves anyway. You know, I was just talking to Paul, who was driving, you know, it's Friday afternoon, downtown Sonoma is a, is a ghost town. A, it's rainy. B, it's January. Uh, you know, there's snow in the mountains that pulls people away. But, you know, nobody's around. Um, you know, well, but, it, but, but it's weird because... When the weather's nice, it certainly seems like there's people around. That that you know that week of New Year's, it still Act. seemed to be busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when we were, it was getting Omicron and spreading it. Well, well that's exactly <laughs> right. Now, they, they, right, they were off of school and they're going to come to Sonoma and yeah. right infect you. Kid, <laughs> and so, so, so people are looking for things to do, but people had to go back to work and people had to go back to school, which means people had to go and back there's to snow. And, right. there's and there's snow yeah. and they can get there now because that whole week right. of after christmas and new right. year's you couldn't get to tahoe even if you wanted to go right 
God, did they fix that, man? Did they finally get that traffic jam? I mean, it was a mess. Yeah. It's strange having to think about putting chains on your tires again. I mean, I haven't done that since Colorado in the 70s, man, really. I mean, I think we should say the reason why we're recording with Zoom is is purely because we've had a couple of close calls within the group, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and that sucks, especially the the two. I mean, Brian, your close call is just the fact of like, you know, where how much exposure you have. But Sam, for you guys, that really sucks that you know yeah. that that you had to do that because of you know a, a, a yeah. It's just it doesn't seem right, but I guess there's nothing you can do about it, right? I mean, like, how do you get, and, and, you know, we've, this has been an ongoing discussion with the school. How do you get two and a half year olds to wear a mask consistently? It's like, you can't even get grown adults to do that, right? Um, and, <laughs> you know, truth be told, we didn't bring, you know, school started on Monday for Althea. We didn't go back until Wednesday thinking, now we'll let, you know, let it, whatever happens from the holidays blow by and we'll go back on Wednesday. And uh, Wednesday was the day that somebody in her class was positive, you know, tested positive after school. So, um, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you do? You stay home, you, you know, bust out every game and puzzle you have in the closet and <laughs> find some new videos on YouTube and, uh, and try and dive into the farce that is, work from home with a toddler <laughs> it's like sam are you getting good at shoots and ladders do you <laughs> no, do they still play that we're you know we're, we're she's she turns three in a, in a month john so it's more like uh you know she's really now nailed where you like put out cards she's getting like the matching games so i've been playing a lot of matching game which is you know you have a bunch of cards and you try and find the faces and that match um but taking has she gotten into the i spy books yet we don't have the books. We do play. I we have been playing I Spy. Like when we were, we were traveling and you know on the road a little bit over over the holidays. There's some pretty I cool Spy. I Spy books. I Spy books. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to Toddler right. Central <laughs> Toddler Book Recommendation Week. Right. Yeah. This episode, this segment of the Winemakers, was brought to you by Reader's Books of Sonoma, California. <laughs> uh, and if you have any issues with your app. Products, Bart, Bart, Bart. Bart. yeah, yeah, Paul Bart, right? Well, Sam, and and if you have any, and 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 if you have any wine questions, um, it's Randy at right. (laughs) Uh, Sam, you brought up one thing that is really positive. It's raining, and you've got a lot of snow. And I know they, I know we need more and more and more. Next week is going to be supposedly sunny all day from today on for a week and 60 degrees but at least we've had some damn good rain and a lot of snow it's uh you know it's wet out there in a way that it hasn't been in years since february of march 2019 um so yeah it's it's almost three years since we've had this much amount of precipitation in this short of a period of time. Uh, and, I mean, the- and then it got cold too. We had that really cold, you know, for us cold. Don't, if you're in the other parts of the country, we, we won't complain too much, but um, you know, we had a, which is 
like you know you need that in the grapes the, the vines need that like cold to really sort of reset and go into dormancy in a way that um we haven't had in a few years so hopefully you know we'll sort of buck the climate change trend and have a little bit later bud break because of it i mean that's what that's really what the hope is is it kind of pushes bud break to a place where you're out of uh, you know the frost danger zone what is going on in the field what's phil up to these days uh, it's it's mostly about pruning um you know this time of year so i see a lot of people out there yeah this you know this, the it's it's a smaller than than average time of year crew um you know but it's you know the people that have been around the longest and you trust the most to uh go out there and and shape the 2022 vintage um by by pruning the vines so um you know it's there's 800 acres to prune um one vine at a time everything's by hand so you start every dry every dry day that you can uh starting you know when they come back from the two weeks off they take around the end of the year so it's uh, the cool thing is up at like myacomas some other these places uh even though it's wet and you know rainy down here on the valley floor they've been in relative uh sunshine for the last week so they can they can prune up there right now you can't prune in the wet disease is that yeah you and and it's um that's how you know you get a disease called utypa virus called utypa um and a you're you spread it more easily but also just like cutting when it's wet and it starts to rot from the inside out um and it's uh you know it's what kills grapevines don't do it (laughs) it's called dead arm disease yeah or it's referred to as dead arm disease because ultimately a cordon arm will just die just falls right off. Just yeah, just like well, it doesn't really fall right off, right? Sam? <laughs> Eventually, it falls cut, off. cut, cut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, cover crops. To... Cover I'm crops glad... seem to. Go ahead. Cover crops seem to be growing really nicely. Um, you know, I mean, the little intermittent sun that we've had, you can certainly see them pop. I know the weeds at my house um, <laughs> uh, keep keep growing, and you know, and it's yeah. And that just means get out the hoe, right? Um, so, uh, one of my favorite Tupac songs. Get out the hoe. <laughs> Tupac was big on, uh, you know, <laughs> chemical-free weed management. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh God. Well, I'm glad to see somebody's out there in the fields taking care of our 2022 vintage. You know, it's you know, it's uh, you get out there as much as you can in between. In between rainstorms so um it's also about making sure people have work and and uh you know um there's a labor crunch for sure but it's also still making sure that people have a job some food on you know some food on the table uh half the freaking restaurants in sonoma are closed right now so there's a whole bunch of service industry jobs that are you know not happening um so that's pretty traditional right most there are restaurants that just closed in January after the holidays, right? A lot Brian? of them close in January, John, to do renovations. But um, we used to well, deep clean. What we're right? seeing is deep clean, yeah. But restaurants are doing it now because they're they're either having um, positive tests in the restaurant or because they say it's just not worth it with the business levels. 
that it's that why not just take a couple of weeks off? And I and I and I don't know what the insurance or I don't know what the situation is financially, but if but maybe if you say you're closing because of COVID, maybe you get a little uh, kickback from the man. I don't know. You can like claim it on your business interruption insurance or something. Something like that, maybe. I don't know. But oh, I but a yeah, Pizza Leah. Ryan is the hotel. The hot- I was oh, just no, wondering. Was right. Wait, We're right did you back just say out get out the hoe again? Get out the hoe. How's the hotel? The Is anybody at the hotel, Brian? Uh, there, so I think we were at 15% occupancy um, yesterday. God, so it'll pick up a little bit on the weekend, but we're, uh, I should say I, I'm, I'm appreciative of the uh, break. Um, just because, yeah, that last week of December took it out of a lot of us. And it was just a long year. And then going through the holidays and being super busy. And um, um, we were ready for a break. But um, but there's some people, their schedules are definitely changing. And we... He's frozen. Might as well pick it up. So schedules are changing everywhere, man. Schedules Seriously. Yeah. You know, and, and I know he said he was like 80% or more and this is months ago when i was really surprised at that um but yeah i i can imagine right now it's not a good time to be at the hotel there so well um what are you doing are you are you canceling appointments are you having people uh cancel right now we um we canceled some appointments in that last week of december actually because we had a uh COVID exposure um the way that you know my current COVID exposure worked as far as um the rest of this team um it's fine you know we picked up I didn't come home and see Althea until after work so I've just not been going in uh we still have some some stuff on the books there's definitely if you're thinking of coming right now (laughs) call ahead and make a reservation there's i think uh every every tasting room in sonoma's got room on the calendar so yeah welcome back brian hey brian hey anybody uh, been, hey. anybody been talking to uh, todd jolly uh todd took a nice uh nice vacation and was up in tahoe during the the snow s- snow storm deep summer yeah, he, he sent some pictures of hanging out with um, with Houston and his family, and, and he's doing good. They're, they closed for the weekend between Christmas and New Year's, and, and they're back open. And um, uh, yeah, so that's that. I, 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 I'm going to, you know, this was supposed to be listener questions, so I'm oh, yeah, going to kind of pepper, pepper some. Yeah, I think we've got some. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address one right now from our friend Blair Guthrie at Guthrie Family Vineyards um, was wondering when we're going to be on Spotify. And I will say, Blair, we are on Spotify. Spotify. You need to search for it as the winemakers, three separate words. And then I think if you throw in, um, uh, let's give Ed a plug. uh, Radio Misfits. Radio Misfits, it should pop up. Um, So we are available on all your favorite um, podcasting uh, systems. Um, so another question, ready? ready. Um, uh, from mountain cabernet at gmail.com. 
Maybe everybody could email um, Roger Randall and let him know their interest. Roger's wondering if we will do another virtual tasting. Um, so Sam, uh, you know, we, we could, Brian, we could certainly send out Sonoma Psalm and send out- Yeah, but can we have the Grinch? I really, I liked watching that one the other day with the Grinch. I have no idea what the hell I was watching. It was so bizarre. Neither and do I, to be honest. I think, I think Sam finally went over the edge. That, got that was away. not me as the Grinch. That was not me. Too high. And they were talking about, they were talking about pairings, pairings for like beasts and stuff. I don't know what the hell was going on. Gross beast. Yeah. It was yeah. weird. It gets um, weird out there sometimes, man. You know how it is. Yeah, man. Stretch it out. So, Roger, Thank we'll be back in virtual vinyl Sunday. Yeah. Man, I appreciate it. <laughs> We're gonna do another one soon. We're gonna do another one with the uh, uh, after with the, the Easter Bunny. <laughs> yeah, with the Easter Bunny <laughs> and Pac Man. Yeah, well, I think it was uh, you know when you're trying to get celebrity guest uh, appearances. Uh, with COVID around the holidays, you get the Grinch. You know, you get the Grinch. I was, I was hoping for, I was hoping for Rudolph. I don't know. <laughs> Rudy. Uh, uh, anybody have any epic wines that they've had in the last couple of weeks? They want to um, uh, want to uh, mention. That's uh, someone's wondering. So what, um, what what our holiday wines were? Yeah, yeah. Best wine you've had over the last two weeks. Um, I, I drank a couple of good bottles basically to myself on our very quiet New Year's Eve. Um, a, a bottle of uh, white burgundy that was killer. And then I busted out, uh, uh, and I don't say it right, uh, Jacques Salos, Salos, I don't know, fancy grower champagne. Um, uh, that was fantastic. Um, both from shout out Don at Zachy's um, bottles that purchased uh, for the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, it was going to be just, it was me, Alice, uh, one of Alice's friends and, and her kids. And we just like kept it super low key. And I opened a couple of good bottles. They each had like a glass each and I finished <laughs> them off. And when, you know what? Drink good wine and you feel great the next day. Like I did not, I did not start 2022 hungover, even though I'd, consumed more than my share my average share so those are my bottles um you know i had a really bought so speaking of todd uh todd jolly i had a really nice bottle of grower champagne noel bazin bazin um it was absolutely delicious we had that on new year's eve um so that and uh, uh i went to the uh the uh the, the wine, the Monday night tasting group, the semi-monthly Monday night tasting group, their Christmas party, you know, that Jasmine and, mm -hmm. and Joan do. And um, they had some really nice wines there uh, that I'm not going to try to name them off of my brain, but uh, but that was a lot of fun. There's, um, this, so. there's this meme that popped up today in the, in yeah. the universe. <laughs> Did you see this? As, as a guy at a restaurant ordering off the wine list and says, man can't decide whether to pronounce foreign word like an asshole or an idiot. I think that can sum up that last yes. section. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, uh, anyway, that's that. Brian, uh, how about you? Uh, I had a nice grower champagne last week. Uh, it was an 06 something. 
uh, <laughs> was, we were doing a food and wine pairing thing. And then, you know, you know, the bottle that I really like that I've, that just sticks out in the last couple of weeks is when, um, um, Tim Gatto was on and they, that, um, that Merlot, um, from Sonoma Valley that they had the one where it had like the guy jumping in, it looked like there, the guy jumping that's in a the pool. Six, six figures. That's six figures. Yeah. Tim six figures. And, and Randy Feldman, FOP friend of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and a, you know, and Aaron and a couple other, there's three other people, four other people, six of them. Yeah. That one kind of stood out for me. I really liked it. Oh, you know what else I had on, on, on Christmas Eve, uh, shout out to, um, uh, Mike and Kara from Fine Disregard Winery. I picked up a bottle of their Carignan. Um, I don't know if it was Evangelo yeah. or, but it was it was something Contra Costa County, and it was it was really delicious. Um, so, uh, John, oh, that's one I don't get enough of. Carry on, really nice. When I was at, when Brian was at the Fig, I did. <laughs> yeah. We had a nice uh, Chateau Saran Bordeaux uh, with Christmas dinner and uh, some, uh, well, I've done beef burgundy and cassoulet. And so we even got to the uh, fig and I had a, we had a nice McLaren Syrah. And do you guys know Hall, uh, North Napa area? Nice. Oh nice, yeah. Nice cabs. Um, Jones company is doing a, a virtual tasting with them next week. And so I had, had some to test and was really good i was not surprised and it's hard to screw that up i think actually sam you got any questions i got a i got a question this is actually like technical winemaking question bart and i i have an answer but i wanted to hear yours before i lay in in my opinion and this is from uh al garcia alvaro garcia somebody who i grew up with here in town and he's making some home wine home zinfandel with another childhood friend of mine, his cousin, Victor. Uh, and he, they said they're struggling with ML right now with these cold temperatures at night. Any recommendations? So I, I, I know what I would do in my head, but I want to hear and see if you're on the same wavelength, Bart. Um, I would keep the barrels topped up and wait till spring uh, when everything warms up and they'll finish. I mean, he could he could monitor the if it makes him feel better, he can send it in and get a VA, you know, just to make sure it's not was. Uh, that's what I would say. Right, full uh, sample, send it in, patience. see where you're at. Yeah, and, and 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 to get you know have a number, you could certainly check it and see if it's moving. But as soon as it warms up, it'll it'll push through. Yeah, that's exactly what my thought. Just just you know, stay out of that barrel as much as you can. Yeah make sure it, yeah. you know that's it make sure it's topped but i can't imagine you know especially if you're you know in a home winemaking situation that there's too much evaporation happening right now yeah i mean especially now because it's been you know um raining so yeah humidity should be pretty good um you know i mean if you really wanted to and you like couldn't sit still you can go and buy a fish aquarium heater and you know set it for 68 70 degrees and stick it in there, and the cord just sticks out of the bunghole. Um, you could totally do that. Uh, you know, people have uh, used um, uh, electric heat, electric blankets to do it. Um, I, I think that's a lot of. You're looking for a lot of heat transfer to get through that barrel, but I guess if it takes the edge off the outside of the barrel. Um, but I think patience. Yeah, that's what the French would say. The French would say, you know. Okay. Go on vacation. Stop 
fucking worrying about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I a question. Um, but anyway, that was a good question. Now, good, good question. Yeah. Um, so here's one, and 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 I think everybody can have an opinion on this. So you know, there was an article here recently um, published about all the vineyards going on in, up in Lake County. And, you know, there's been a lot of vineyards for a couple of decades now of vineyards in Lake County and some very prestigious. And um, so the question is, what do we think about all the vineyards going in in Lake County? Um, uh, anybody have any instant thoughts? I mean, um, I guess for me, um, you know, both at Kenwood and at Benziger, uh, we used to buy a certain percentage of certain varieties from Lake County, just like we did from Mendocino County to help with cost of goods. Um, you know, the grapes are typically uh, uh, cheaper. So therefore, um, you know, going into a Sonoma County wine, you can put in 25% um, and it helps lower cost of goods. Um, it's a different fruit profile. Um, you know, I think they, they it, it's hot up there. Um, but I guess it gets cooler at night because they are at a little bit of altitude and, you know, there's some talk of how the Mount Kanakdai affects it, um, affects the, the weather up there. Um, so uh, I, I don't know, Roger, if that answered your question. I, I, I mean, I'm, there's always been good wines. Jed Steele used to make some great wines out of Lake County. And isn't, um, isn't Lake County where, uh, where, um, Primus base less Claypool. Claypool sellers don't they get? Weren't they get, at least in the beginning maybe getting their rones out of Lake County? Maybe, maybe, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, uh, Obsidian, uh, the folks that Casey Gravehill um, works at. You know, they have that. They have that uh, vineyard, that Cabernet and Malbec vineyard. It sits at a half mile of elevation. Whatever that you know that footage is twenty. 2200 or something yeah. and you know it's funny you talk to Casey about Sam we're always so proud of the little pieces of obsidian that we find out at Rossi Ranch I mean they do just walk through there and there's just chunks of it up there um, yeah. you know on the side of the volcano so to speak so um, there's certainly diverse soils um, so I you know there's always room for new places to grow grapes but I would yeah. think of it as being a pretty warm spot yeah, it's 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 hot up there, especially you know in the middle of the summer, um, you know, and, and maybe even more fire pressure than than we feel. Yeah. Although that's sort of all relative. Um, well, it's all burned at this. It's point. all burned. That's true. Um, <laughs> Ryan, you know, do you? Sorry, Sam. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you look around here though, and you and you look at Sonoma County, you look at Napa County, and you look at the rules for new vineyards to to you know to put, and what it takes to put in a new vineyard um in either of these counties if if you can find uh you know land that you can do it on to get through the permitting process to get through the engineering process it's crazy expensive um so if you want to have wine that is in any sort of you know approachable price point looking at at some of these other counties mendocino is even sort of starting to be pretty impacted so it's lake county and uh solano county there's another yeah. place to be looking at. Um, we actually, Enterprise Vineyards has a, I don't know if I've talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it, you go through Coombsville, but you, you know, you cross the county line. It's technically Green Valley Appalachian. Um, and it's going to be 
premium Cabernet and, and Rhone varieties. And it's just going to, you know, just as good as anything that's coming out of Napa, but because you're in Solano County, the cost of doing business is less. Um, the property taxes are less. The wine will ultimately, the grapes will cost a little less. So um, yeah, there's, there's definitely room to grow in those places that there really isn't around here. Right. Do you guys, do you have people that like, you, do, first of all, do you have any Lake County wines on the list at this point, you know, at the, at the fig, were you familiar with any, do you know, do you have any thoughts? Me? Yeah. Um, no, I like Lake County stuff. Um, I just mean, I, you know, every, have, I don't, I don't think we don't, I'm trying to think if we currently have anything on the list from Lake County. I think you did from Amador, you know, which is certainly a different one. Oh yeah, no, how Amador much, for sure. But um, how much of this, Sam, uh, moving north is is climate issue also? Well, did or you guys see? Did you guys see that on sixty minutes they did a whole thing on climate yeah. change in the wine industry? Yeah, I, I, I gotta watch. It, it it's it's really worth watching. Um, they Sam's did it. Locked. A, they 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 did a really good job. Um, I tweeted out the links to it. Oh, there he's back. Um, it, 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 it is really well done. Uh, Leslie Stahl, um, there was really nothing that she talked about that um, you went, what? Um, uh, and the climatologist from uh, University of Southern Oregon, you know, another person, he, it would be fascinating to have him on the podcast. Um, Who's getting all the low aircraft going over him? Is that Sam or... It's got to be Bart. No, it's me. I'm sitting outside in front as cars going by. Sorry, guys. One, I, I thought it was I an airplane landing. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to sit wherever it's dry today, Bart. It's all good. Terry's, well, you know, back working from home uh, or never really quit. So, uh, and there's, you know, you, you could, there's an open line to, uh, New York, and you should hear the way they talk to each other uh, in New York and financial services. I, let's just say it's, yeah, let's just say it's not politically correct necessarily. <laughs> Probably very entertaining to hear. Yeah. All right. So there was a, um, a great question that came across on. Uh, on the from the the winemakers podcast uh instagram account how how do ratings work how can you have a 95 point wine that's ten dollars and a 95 point wine wine that's a hundred dollars and Ooh, i like that it, question it is a great question it's a great question brian I'll, let's hear brian on this one well i mean th that's the great thing about wine right is that you can have you can have uh someone a tiny little producer make an incredible wine and you can have a huge winery that makes a shitty wine i mean it's just it, it all depends on the grapes right so if you happen to get some your hands on some really good grapes and you're just a, um uh, yeah i mean th that's that's what makes the wine industry so amazing is it well, right and you hope that this person who's scoring wines you know you hope the critic or whatever the magazine you know, sometimes it's blind, sometimes it's not. But if it's blind, you know, you put a hundred dollar bottle down and a ten dollar bottle down in a in a paper bag, and if they both taste good, then they're both good wines. It doesn't really matter, you know, what the what the MSRP is, right? 
right? right. I mean, I think part of it is, is that, is that you also have to remember that a, a 95 from one publication or, you know, service and a 95 from a different one are completely different, could be completely different, you know? Um, and, and so um, there oh, are which definitely- Which ones are the good ones? Well, well, there are pay to play places out there, right? So you Vin know, Venice? Yeah, well, no, I don't know. I don't know. Advocate? Saying that. No, I'm talking about magazines like the tasting panel. And, um, you know, there are, there are um, publications that, you know, that, that that's where the scores come from. You, you never see somebody that's not part of it in it. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about the spectator. I'm not talking about, um, you know, wine advocate, any of those. I'm talking about some of these industry, um, industry magazines. What's, what's that one called? The beverage, the beverage group and uh, the tasting oh. panel magazine and stuff, you know. Right, where like one half is one thing and then the other half is another magazine. Yeah. Editorials. Right. Well, and the thing about, you know, the difference between getting a 95 point score now and a 95 point score in the days when it was basically just Parker and Spectator is, you know, you can just basically as a winery, as a wine PR person, you can just keep shopping blogs and reports and email lists until you find somebody who gives you the 95, right? And then you go, hey, we got a 95 point wine. Um, the flip side is, so that's a bad thing but you know in my opinion but the, the flip side is as a consumer if you find somebody out there a critic whether it's one of the top name big you know that we just talked about or some random person and you know somewhere with a you know a little list online if you like their palate if you their 95 point wine jives with what you think a 95 point wine is worth and should be then cool, roll with it, go with that person, you know, when they come out with their top 100 and their, you know, their top scoring wines. It's, you know, so, so there's a little bit of democratization, but there's also a whole lot of corruption in that system, right? A whole lot of the advertorial kind of bullshit. So, so who are your favorite uh, raters and critics? <laughs> your own favorite. The ones that the give one. you 95s, John. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to go there immediately. I was trying to well, slide ones, it in. Ones that we know are actual people. So like, it's nice to, you know, like Jeb Dunnick, I think is a, is a good right. example where, you know, we, we've seen him work. We, we trust his opinion. Um, whereas I've never met Robert Parker. I don't, I don't well, know who even do it anymore anyway. Yeah. So, and, and I don't know who anyone is that works for wine advocate or enthusiast well, or, yeah, and, and then the other thing is these people are always changing, right? Like, you know, there's there's positions change. And when you have a new taster coming in and covering, you know, Napa Chardonnays or, or, or California Reds, um, the, the palate's going to change, you know? And, 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 and then if you transfer that over to, let's say, like wine judgings, um, you know, every judging has or should have a different group of people, and that changes it. So I think you know, to you guys' point is you got to find someone that you can identify with. And sometimes that's not a rating system. Sometimes that's the guy in the wine shop. Yes. You know? That's what I was going to say. I it's, mean, it's the guy at Bottle Barn or at Sonoma's Best or the, the isn't it called the tasting panel the, or the panel Sonoma, right? Yeah. I don't know. 
Well, they, yeah, I guess they are still. They open, moved but I don't... over into the Sonoma market. Yeah, they're the over back there. of that market plaza. Okay. Yeah. Back by uh, Vinny's but, uh, shoes shop. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, find your local wine shop and, um, and, and work with that. Todd Jolly. That's... Yeah. Todd's just I mean, about the best in town, really. You know, I like that guy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, the, the other, I saw another thing um, over the holiday. They were talking about um, how there's so many more 100 point wines now. Um, you know, and, and I, I think I bought three yesterday and I was thinking the same thing that, uh, yeah. but I mean, they were, they were Saxum and, and Synquinon uh, wines, but I, I've never seen so many. And I have uh, Spotswood. I just recently purchased was another hundred pointer. Um, yeah. And, and, and this, this, the article or the, and I wish I would have saved it. Maybe I have it somewhere. It did a little bit of research into the fact that, you know, in uh, call it 20 years ago, there were, there was one out of a thousand hundred point wines. And now there's, you know, far more common. But the truth is, is when they did the numbers is that there are so many more products and so many more producers that when you look at the ratio, it's still about the same. Um, and so it's not just completely skewed. It's very easy to go, Oh, Jeb's giving them away, or you know, Venice is giving them away, or, or whatever. But when you look at the the pure wines produced, um, uh, it, it, the ratio is about the same. Now, that's not to say that they haven't still kind of ruined an '89 um, in in this, because an '89 is a really good wine, right? So. <laughs> No, but it almost sounds like it's crap, right? Eighty-nine, Jesus Christ! Right. Couldn't even, couldn't even crack ninety, right? You definitely don't tell anybody when you get an eighty-nine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I tell Maybe you what, mom. Go, but but then I'll 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 throw myself into it. I'll I'll, I'll you know complete disclosure. Go on to um, the wine enthusiast winemag.com and 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 search Dane Sellers and look at those numbers. And you know what? People love those wines, yep. <laughs> and most of them have never seen the rating on on you know the enthusiast. So, uh, trust your own palate. Yeah. Uh, I had a thought on that, and it just totally is gone. Except for because because I'm now thinking about the first time we had Galoni taste our wines, and uh, you know one the Rossi, and I can't even remember what the vintage. It might have been 2013, 2014. Um, scraped 90 and the rest of them are wines that are great wines that i think sold out wines wines that <laughs> customers love that are like 88 89 and it's just like crushes but if but if you go if you actually go on to all those individual publications and and you well first of all you have to read the descriptors because the descriptors are are much more telling than the number right um uh, but but you have to go on and look at what their spread is, like what they what what they explain that a you know ninety six to one hundred is described as this, and you know what when it says you know eighty five to ninety and ninety to ninety five, they don't necessarily sound like different wines. Um, there's some little nuance that they that they change it to. So um, I, I remember my point on like the proliferation of high point wines. Um, especially going to the you know, 90s to now or whatever, um, 
we're also as an industry, especially in California, a whole lot better at this than we were 25, 35, 40 years ago. The farming's better. The winemaking is is cleaner and more consistent. The you know the, the labs are better at telling us what's in our wines. Um, you know, production is cleaner. The these you know the mobile bottling lines that you know bring the the ability of like a you know high end bottling line to tiny wineries has improved quality in you know huge ways. Um, so you know the quality of wine is better now than it was you know and consistently better than it was um you know when when this you know the the 100 point scale wine rating kind of started 35 years ago 40 years ago right and that's why an 89 sucks like what's your excuse <laughs> everything's better <laughs> i was uh you know when galoni tasted those wines the first time i was in hawaii uh, on my very belated honeymoon. So I wasn't there to, to walk them through it. Uh, you know, I, I blame Phil and Paul. <laughs> As you're sitting on a beach drinking canned rosé. I think I was on the plane home, but it, yeah, it was uh, a moment of regret that sticks out in my head for sure. Because those numbers, you know, unlike say when the advocate rolled in, in, you know, the eighties, if you, unless you saved those religiously, like my father did, um, you know, the, the 89 point score would go away. Now it's on, it's on the Venus website. If you have a account on Venus, you can go log in and find it. If you don't have an account, I'm not going to give you mine. So you can't go find it, (laughs) but it's there forever. Um, I got a question coming from our friend, um, Andrew, um, uh, Sam, excited to taste the 2018 Sonoma Valley's in. Can you briefly detail some of the differences between um, the upcoming or the newest release and the 17 Sonoma Valley's in? Any variance in the blend? Um, do you prefer one better than the other? Um, you know, it's hard to throw that down without having the two wines in front of me. Uh, I mean, in, in general, 17 um, is a, was a hotter year, um, you know, leading into the fire, you know, 17 Sonoma Valley's in, all, all of ours in by the time the fire hit in, in October 17, but um, it was such a hot summer and that big heat right at, at Labor Day weekend really sort of set flavors in a way of that, that, that defines those wines, the 17s with that heat signature um and and so for zinfandel that's that's great um with 18 18 was this year of like there was no calamity weather wise but there was also no really notable heat spells especially late season heat which really sort of helps us push things so you know the 18 is going to be you know a little more a little brighter a little more acid um you know a little more uh tannin also because you know you're not going to get the same sort of softening of the skins that a hot those those hot weather events do um and to to sort of fill in what andrew's referring to is the sonoma valley zin is that wine that um you know we made originally basically for the wholesale market by the glass kind of our catch-all from our zinfandel um and and when the 
restaurant industry went away <laughs> two years ago. Uh, we all started offering it to, to the list and to customers directly. Um, you know, John, I know you're a big fan. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's those bottles of wine there, you know, you can feel like you can open a $25 bottle on a Tuesday night um, where you wouldn't necessarily open a $60 bottle of Zinfandel um, with, you know, Tuesday night pizza or whatever. But um, so winemaking wise, it's really just like everything else that we do. It's, it's um, native yeast on the Zin, neutral oak. Um, and, you know, once we sort of meet our quotas on the, de on the vineyard designated wines, Dos Limones estate, sometimes Rossi Ranch, um, Brashera Vineyard on over there on Garricky Road. So those are basically the four Zinfandel vineyards that go into that. So it's not like there's any sort of, um, you know, I didn't fill it up with buying a bunch of fruit from some county north of us or something. Uh, it's like county. I didn't say it. I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, although that's a smart way of bringing down cost of goods. <laughs> so maybe I'll have to do that. It's, uh, you know, basically, um, you know, the wine that doesn't fit into the vineyard designated zins. We don't even go so far as like pull out the best barrels and doing it. It's just, you know, make sure we have the numbers that we need of the other stuff and whatever's left goes into the Sonoma Valley. That's yeah, good stuff. Yeah. That's great wine. It's Sam. High QPR is the goal. I know you have had a chance to comment on Philippe Combi online. And I wondered if you wanted to take a minute now and say something. Cause it was, uh, you know, it was a big deal. It, it was, it was a huge deal. Um, worldwide. Um, and, and, you know, still sort of processing and and coming to terms with what it means uh you know he was obviously brilliant winemaker um had a palate like none ever the, i've ever experienced tasted with been able to witness um you know an expertise on particularly grenache uh, and how it ferments and why it does what it does that um, you know, hopefully he's passed on to folks like Isabel and, and the Julians there in Chateauneuf and Chiguindas and, and the other people he's worked with. Um, but, you know, really more than that, he was just such a wonderful person, this very little like, you know, he didn't speak a lot of English, but still managed to land jokes and be funny and playful and, and um, you know, pleasure to be around and, and to dine with and to talk wine with um and you know the thing that i keep coming back to is like you know it, it, our time with him was so short anyway because we you know we started really working with him in, in 2017 and and knowing him and you know my dad had met him a couple of years earlier but um the thing that just like gets me i don't know if i'll ever really come to grips with is the fact that you know for the last two years our only interactions with them had to be virtual. Um, you know, that we sort of lost this COVID time, um, you know, getting to have him here and, and learn from him and, and, you know, pictures of him, you know, the last time he was here was, was February of 2020. So, you know, Althea was, was uh, basically a year old. Um, and, you know, I wanted to have a series of pictures with Althea and Philippe, you know, at dinner at the Girl in the Fig as she grew up. Um, so, you know, you kind of those moments being stolen um, are the things that kind of hurts the most. Um, 
you know, the, the magic of someone in the wine industry, though, is his wines will, and, you know, the ones that he's made with us, the Otto Tet, um, stuff that he made downstream, but really around the world, his wines will always live on and our wines that were made to live on. So, you know, we get to open them and, and experience his genius, um, you know, for generations. He certainly was fun to do a show with. Uh, I've listened to that a couple of times recently and it wasn't all that rough. I mean, yeah, it was outside and we've got a lot of people and, but it's, it was very good. And with Isabel interpreting some of the things he picked up on instantly and could answer uh, some, he just needed a bit of help uh, and she was wonderful. Uh, those were very, very good shows. Very fun. Well, and, and she was so good about like interpreting what he was saying and like, you know, um, uh, kind of like he, his answer would be something in French and she would like, it would catch her off guard or maybe she would chuckle about it. And she always did a good job of kind of explaining where he was going with it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's uh, honestly like folks like Isabel who'd spent her entire life with him and he was really an uncle to her. Um, and, and I think he had that relationship with a lot of the families that he worked with in France, um, you know, the words very much uh, family oriented businesses. And, you know, he starts working with the, the dad or the grandfather and then starts working with the kids as they kind of come into the business. Um, you know, those are the folks that I, I know are sort of really feeling it harder than anybody. Um, you know, it's, it's Chateauneuf de Pop where he lived and it's, you know, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny town um, there was no way like the ambulance shows up at his house without everybody knowing about it. It's that kind of thing. So you know, I think it's, um, it's still pretty deeply personal there um, in a way that uh, is, is hard for us to sort of really communicate. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, it, uh, John for, for bringing it up. In a, in a, uh, and, you know, not to be completely callous about it, but I am uh, getting ready to send out the, the release for the, the next audio tent. Uh, um, that That's the great question. thing, though, right, Sam, is that people right. will get to drink those wines and they can remember um, remember Philippe. I just bought some downstream yesterday, and, I, and I'm going to tell that story when I'm opening the wine for people, you know, about this guy, Philippe Cambi. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, that, is the, that is the thing. That's the cool thing about wine in a way. Yeah. That, you know, none of other things can, can you say that about. And I, I think Vicky is putting together something... Um, for hospice as well. I know she um, she wants to do something um, to kind of um, remember Philippe. So she's I know she's going to put something together for uh, for one of those days. Brian, can you talk a little bit more about downstream? Uh, that's the project between um, you know that Philippe was doing with uh, uh, Justin, the winemaker at Saxum, and um, and Sasha who. You guys all know, but um, how come we Sa haven't gotten Sasha on? I got to get Sasha on the show. Sasha, hasn't, international hasn't he been man, on the show? man of mystery. <laughs> no, he has not. He's, He's not um, been on the show. Okay, yeah. we, we, we'll get him. Um, hey, uh, I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. Well, he he was at the tasting house, I think, when we were doing a show one day. I think uh, yeah. maybe it was with. Um, I think Isabel was involved, um, but I don't remember. But I remember Sasha being there. I swear he sat down. And actually talked for a little while, but he might anyway, have, he might have sat at the table with us. Well. 
John, it's a it's a cool project because if you can imagine, you get the winemaker from Saxon and Philippe yeah. together. I mean, you you know you're going to come up with something good. Where it's, is that available? It's, it's Zin, it's Zinfandel and and um, typically it's right? a typically it's a Zinfandel blend, but I think uh, the 18 is a little bit different. I think it's it's a little more rony, um, but I I didn't even care. I I looked at the fact that I had an opportunity to purchase some, and I was like, cool. I've never tried those wines before, and where did you buy them, Brian? Where are they available? Uh, through Urban Wine Brokers. Um, they're for they're not for me. They're they're for the hotel. They're expensive. And uh, you know, one of Combi's too bad. Dreams, one of Combi's dreams was to make a Zinfandel. That was like one of his life. Uh, interesting. Well, yeah, because um, man, those those French love Zinfandel, man. It's Zinfandel. funny, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they they so don't this, have it. <laughs> this next question is only for Sam. Um, okay. Why tie dye? Oh my I mean, gosh, uh, Jerry! <laughs> because when you're tasting wine and spitting, it doesn't show up on your shirt, <laughs> or you know, eating or whatever else. Uh, why tie dye? Um, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a cultural thing, Jerry. Um, and you know, I'm, I'll also uh, won't lie. Um, you know, nobody else had claimed it as their brand identity for the winery. Right? It's like, hey, I got something. Here's something I can do. It's natural. It's easy. It's already half my closet. Uh, we'll be the tie dye winery. <laughs> Any thoughts on doing a tie dye label? Oh, uh, we kind of did that with the background of the cans, the rose, the rose cans, and I got to do something like that, but shift the colors uh, because we're doing white wine in the cans for, for, you know, 2021 vintage. Um, Wait a minute. What, what, what? Oh, (laughs) I know about this. Yeah, no, it's, it's um, some, some random, mostly roan with a little semi-on white grapes from uh, the cocoa bean vineyard Bart over there on on, uh, the bottom of uh, Lovell Valley road before you go up the hill. And then uh, filled out with uh, some like sort of earlier harvest Roussan uh, from the Rossi Ranch. Uh, wow, where can people get a sample bottle of that? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk to somebody. I know a guy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need uh, some, you know, canned wine poolside at, uh, at Fairmont this summer. That sounds like a good idea. I mean, that actually took like, over a minute for you guys to get to that point of that one right, right. <laughs> like what is I'm, going I'm already on here? picturing i'm picturing girls in bikinis holding up the cans in their tie-dye bikinis tie-dye bikinis tie-dye cans yep. it's, a, um, it's a go that sounds like fun pink so, flamingo in the background i have a question for bart yes what, sir what does the term the descriptor grilled anise mean to you <laughs> oh john you, a... mo- most likely john you're reading like well no so wait a minute most likely you're reading a back label copy or something from my website and that's purely a trop uh, purely a um a typo you know on my mark. this is from wine spectator 
featuring oh, the wine two, spectator your two wines in a sonoma county feature dane sellers topped the list with hansen's 92 point zen being described as distinctive for showing a sense of place and representing sonoma valley and the 40 year old chamazol lush chamazol vineyard is 90 plus point old vines in was called briny and ripe with flavors of caramel cherry and grilled anise <laughs> So um, there you go. Right uh, on the well, I, I mean, yeah. hey, they gave you a 90 bar. You better be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you know what? I, I guess um, you actually can grill. Uh, Here we go. Uh, what's the vegetable? Anise. Um, well, no, anise a is a anise, Bart. <laughs> that's fennel. That's fennel. fennel, fennel yeah. Grilled fennel. So yeah. that would be a grilled anise. Yeah. So grilled fennel. Lots, um, you know, who uses that on their pork? It was the old cafe Titi. Always, when I was trying to knock their uh, turkey roll off, their turkey breast, they used a lot of anise on it. And, yeah, interesting. Okay, I, I thank you, John. Um, I'm glad it wasn't a typo. And so, <laughs> so uh, you know what? Here's where we reference. That was Tim Fish, a local Sonoma resident, um, a writer for the Wine Spectator, who wrote that. So. Um, we'll have to ask Tim Fish sometime. And, and that's probably what it means, John, is that because otherwise it would be fennel or it would be licorice. But if it's anise, it typically refers to the seed. So that would mean it's kind of like a, a rub or a, yep. you know, a coating exactly. on the meat that you then grill. Um, so nice, nice pork loin with some some grilled anise. <laughs> it turns so, out awesome, man. <laughs> here, here's, here's a question for for everybody. And and. Um, uh, do you think residual sugar or added sugar should be on the label? And, and what I'll say to this is two things. One, um, to residual sugar and added sugar, if they're going to be added to the label, they should be two completely different things. Um, because re residual sugar can have to do with um, uh, a winemaking decision or just the, what happens from the winemaking. Where grilled sh adding sugar is with intent. Um, and then the other thing that goes in with this is, does it really mean anything? Because what is the sway between, like, if it's supposed to be, if you have to put the, the sugar and you say it's 0.6 grams per liter, what's the leeway that you have with that, according to the government regulation, which would make a big difference also. So, uh, Brian, what do you think? Uh, uh, would it be helpful or hurt to have um, that information? I, I like having more information, but I think more what confuses people is dry and off dry. <laughs> I mean, we, we were teaching a class a couple of weeks ago and we were, um, we were trying to explain, you know, that this, that a certain specific wine was dry, but it was a Riesling. And, and a lot of the people in the class are like, wait a minute, this tastes sweet. We don't get it. <laughs> okay. There's, so it's the terminology, I think. And, and then there's people like, uh, what didn't David, uh, uh, from Fulcrum, didn't he say he added a little bit um, back into his Gewurztraminer, um, a little bit of juice that hadn't been fermented, which basically is kind of like adding a little bit of sugar, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the thing about residual sugar, and and this was a vintage, I don't know if you had this experience with any of the stuff that you've dealt with, um, that you know, not every sugar that's in your grapes, in your wine, in your juice is the same kind of sugar and it's not all fermentable. So, you know, this was a year where that seemed to be a higher percentage of 
unfermentable sugars. So while the wines, you know, the finished wines were tasting, had a, an experience of sweetness, the numbers showed that they were dry. There was no more fermentation going on. There's just sugar that's going to be there in the 2021 vintage. That's going to be there until the end. And, and so there is, that's residual sugar in dry wine. Um, and, and that's not something that you necessarily can really account for um, in a labeling situation, but adding sugar or, or having residual sugar intentionally, like you stopped fermentation before the wine was dry. Um, you know, if it's not on your label, um, it should be somewhere in the marketing because a, there's people who don't want that, but. Sam's frozen. Find, there's people who. Up, up, up. Yep. Yeah, he froze up. <laughs> now he's there. <laughs> now he's back. Well, residual sugar. Okay. Good for some, not for others. I mean, I, I was thinking I have seen it on labels, Sam, but maybe that's just in people talking about high in residual. No, there, there, there are people that put the residual sugar, and yeah. and yeah. and they're usually more for sweet wines. Um, sometimes you find it more likely in the marketing stuff than actually on the label. Um, yeah. Uh, so, in, in in general, this is part of the larger should wine labels have ingredient listings conversation. Correct. Yep. Sorry, guys, I'm moving because um, I'm done with my, my batteries getting low. I got to replug in. Uh, violating oh, good. the first rule of Zoom podcasting, which is be plugged in with 100% battery the whole time. Well, you guys, you guys have met me before, right? <laughs> on, brand. Say? on brand. <laughs> I had I had 53%. I thought that would have been enough. Um. Here's an interesting question that I got. Uh, Gre uh, Gre Tate Gregory, Vines and Wines, Fredericksburg, Texas. Somebody who follows on Instagram. I don't know who this person is, uh, but what is protocol for establishing dry farmed vines, no water ever weaned off? Um, and and I, you know, I know that we probably all have some thoughts on this. You know, going back, listen to the Will Buckland episode is probably a good place to start. And he's really the person to ask this question of, um, but, you know, whether or not you can dry farm has so much more to do with the vineyard site itself than, you know, whether or not you've irrigated the vineyard in the first place. Um, you know, in, in California anymore, it's pretty hard to start vines without some water. Um, but if you're in the right place and you water correctly, you know, long, deep waterings is a, you know, infrequently as opposed to really high volume, you know, high frequency, low volume watering, um, you can create a vineyard that can be dry farmed in the right year. Um, the steel plow vineyard is a vineyard that in a year like, you know, 2019, we didn't water it once. You know, if 2022 keeps going the way it is, probably be a year we don't have to water very much in some places and there's some places you know where it doesn't matter how much water falls from the sky you're going to have to irrigate to make it through the vintage so site really matters probably more than anything else in that in that regard i'm gonna uh get to go up and see um um the monoroso on the 24th i'm gonna take the staff up there and 
um, hang out with Brene for I think three hours. Wow. So, I'm anxious to see what systems they have in place up there. I've, heard, I've just heard about it, but I've never actually seen it. Well, and you know, the thing about going up there, especially for staff training kind of purposes, they have just about every type of trellising and, and pruning system and irrigation systems imaginable up there over the, you know, sort of things that have happened over the course of history. Um, so you can really kind of dig in and three hours, you know, three hours of Monterosso is, is scratching the surface really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. It took, took a few months to get this all lined up, but um, awesome. Anxious to, yeah. Get up there. Good, good time to be a Sante employee. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I did want to mention that uh, a friend of the podcast, Dave Hayes, just got a great new job as a, uh, um, Sommelier and beverage manager at the 1818 Chop House in Edwardsville, Illinois. Looks like a really nice place. And he'd been at Total Wine for a long time, but the guy knows what the hell he's doing and what he, yeah, it's really good for him. So congrats, Dave. Man, some, some at a, at a steak joint has got to be the easiest job, right? <laughs> I think he's going to have a fun time with it, man. I suggest the Cabernet, sir, from Napa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, throw in a Syrah and a Zinfandel every once in a while there. Right, right exactly. Yeah, well, it better be pricey. <laughs> you gotta... <laughs> I got you. I got that. We got you. Yeah, we got some <laughs> Get that high price Syrah. I'll, I'll raise I, the prices. I'm sure he'll have a great beverage list going real soon. So I, I just think that's a real big congrats. And big congrats, uh, FOP. Uh, Elaine Hawkwakawaka Chuckin Brown, yes, executive editor for North America, U.S. Whatever, uh, Jancis Robinson. So it's uh, you know, as Elaine said, it's her first first full time job in in a decade. <laughs> uh, if you're gonna wait ten years between full time jobs, that's a good one to good one to take. So can, way to go, Elaine. And I emailed her. We're gonna get her back on the show uh, before the reality of that insane job she just landed makes it so she doesn't have, she said she'll always have time for us, but that's not true. You don't have to lie to kick it. So. (laughs) And then we should give a good shout out to our friend, Randy Hester. Oh boy. (laughs) So who, John, John, what is, what is this letter you're talking about? Oh, he doesn't have your email address, Brian. We got to get him your email address. He, he just wrote a, a nice note this morning that he said uh, he had just picked up um, a copy of, uh, of Wine Business Monthly and saw Sam's face planted right in the center of the cover, opened it up and found the four of us being recognized as industry leaders and very cool and well-deserved. So it was very good. Like to hear someone, someone said to me the other day, I was doing the wine tasting at the, at the hotel because we didn't have a winery that day and um, the people were from Texas and they, you know, I was tasting them on the wines and they say, Oh yeah, we're from Texas. We don't have any good wine in Texas. And I said, I said, you need to reach out to Randy Hester. Yeah. CL Boutaud. Isn't that his, uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell that is, but, um, it's, uh, it's like his paternal grandfather or something. There's, there's, okay. there's, it's a, it's a family name. And I think lightning is done. I think he's, I think they quit doing the lightning wines and um, yeah, Randy's doing great down there. He's got, you know, they have like this outside tasting spot and he's got another winery nearby him. So there's people that come by and um, yeah, 
and, and and we were joking earlier you know um we we need to get randy on the um on the podcast he's just never returned phone calls john so that's why my sarcasm was towards him i'll but, harass um, him really really what we need to do is we need to get rid of brooke or get in charge of brooke and she'll probably just make sure he's there at the right time so, yeah the battle of the beards is what we could call that episode <laughs> the backlighting helps right <laughs> back to covid covid beard status not shaving and then not sam if anyway. we could get you to wear a bandana uh, for that show that would be amazing I'll do it. Yeah, a, a little <laughs> Willie Nelson bandana, man. It'd be perfect. Red. We could all wear bandanas. <laughs> right? You could, you could reprise the rosé one that, um, that, that we have of you. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I don't have any other questions. There's, there's some, they're gonna, I'm going to save some. We'll do another question show coming up soon, especially if we have to stay zooming. But we have some good people lined up um for some shows so we'll keep running with good shows and whether it's real life or zoom life or uh hopefully this omicron wave passes quick and um we can hang out and drink wine together again i'll second that yeah yeah seriously really getting tired of everybody's languishing that's the best term i can come up with um it's like waiting to do something and every time you put one foot in front of the other there's no progress it's amazing. Two, two steps forward, three steps backwards. Yeah. And it's just all the ripples, John. It's the, it's the, you know, even if you test positive, but you're asymptomatic, now you're isolating. I mean, I just spent three days in a bedroom where the, where my wife would bring me food. Oh man. And Not good. I mean, I don't want to make light of people in prison, but it kind of, you know, life is passing you by outside the door and you, <laughs> and you, you're just kind of sitting in a, in a, it's not a nine by nine. It's a, it's a 13 by 26 or whatever <laughs> with, with a shower and a bathroom and a, and a white screen television and, a, and, and down covers. You're locked in a good place, man. <laughs> yeah. With someone bringing you whatever kind of food. But still it was uh, 20 years at the big house, Brian Casey. But it's, it's like that. It's, it's, and then it's, if you think you're sick, I, I, the reason I was there for three days is because I had to wait for test results. Cause I, I don't really trust rapid response tests. So I wanted to get an actual test and I took it Monday at one o'clock in Nevada and it's supposed to be 24 hour turnaround. And it was Wednesday at like six 30 when I got results. So in the meantime, you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't be around people. If it's a kid, you're not going to school. Um, you're not going to the store. I mean, it's just, um, you mean if you're responsible and ethical about it, yeah, I guess that's the and because the obviously thing. not enough people are we're back here again. Well, and then talking to people, my dad, I just talked to my dad yesterday. He's in North Carolina. He knows a guy that is vaccinated and boosted and has tested positive. They test him at work. He's tested positive three times. <laughs> well, how, what did you feel like, Brian? I just didn't. I just um, knew Bad Monday when I went. Monday morning, I was supposed to work Monday night and I, I never call out of work. Like I usually, my body knows what my days off are and it saves my sick for those days off um, incredibly. But, but I could tell Monday when I had to call in sick and then my wife said, what's going on? I just said, it feels different. And that's when she was like, get in the bedroom. Um, but then I realized that I had my flu shot this year. I got it at the same time I got my booster. So I, but there's just, that's the thing is that besides Omicron going around, there's also <clears throat> some sort of 
flu or cold um, that's going around as well. So people are getting sick and not testing positive, but because of what's going on, they have to isolate as well and get tested. And then do you trust the test? And, you know, it's just, I think it's going to be like this, um, you know, it's just going to be a part of life. I think there, I've talked to a lot of people that are going to continue to wear masks. Um, and, and that's something they do. You know, you see that in Asia or, you know, China or Japan, they, they wear masks before that, before this all went down, people wore masks. And I think what we might end up just like you get a flu shot every year, you might just be getting a, basically a SARS or a COVID sort of um, shot every year, depending on how the strain has evolved or um, whatever variants are out there. Well, I have to say that um, there are a lot of people getting it. Everybody's saying it's really mild this time around, but there are a lot of people in those hospitals um, and they are still full. It's really the people in the hospital can't say it's mild because they have a tube down their throat. That's right. No. It's a really yeah, mild man. version of being intubated. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, thank you guys. Well, that wonderful note. Yeah. Uh, right. Shout out anything else, real quick? No, nothing okay. for me right now. You know, um, looking forward to. Uh, getting together with you guys and, and doing some more shows this year. Yeah. What Sam uh, said, we got a bunch of people lined up and it should be a good year. We got uh, Kelly from A Cork in the Road is coming out for her birthday, I guess, in February. Reached out. Shout out to her. She's had some MJ's episode with JJ Reddick. I just finished oh. listening. That was, a, that was a fantastic episode. And and not even about wine, about the whole story about Reddick, like yeah. uh, what he went through to make into the pros was yeah. just... And then, Stella. and then when they dove into to George Floyd and and yeah. race and race in the NBA, you know, being yeah. a white guy in the NBA, it was it was it was um, fascinating stuff. Plus the wine stuff was great. So that yeah. was a great episode, MJ. To wrap up your uh, your season, we should do seasons. How many seasons of our show have we gotten? Fuck, <laughs> it's just one <laughs> long season that never ends. <laughs> you can check out anytime you want. Yeah, exactly. You can never leave, baby. All right. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Talk to you next week. Peace and love. Uh, All right. You are recording, Bart. And see, so yes, you, you will send this.